0: Well, as you can see, I'm kind of, uh, I got a little hitch in my get along. Uh, I tore a meniscus, and so I'll have surgery this week. Um, But as uh, it kind of worked in God's providence, because it fits really in with my opening for the sermon this morning, um, I had all these plans laid out, my calendar was full. I had appointments with people, I had a travel uh, thing I was going to do to go to a conference, I had, uh, there's things all laid out and all of a sudden, boom, this happens and you realize the frailty of life. I, I was reminded and humbled that I'm not in control of my life as much as I think I am. I'm not in control of my life as much as I think I am. And that's exactly what our text today is all about. It's exactly what James is getting at. Planning is good. It's good to plan. However, when we get into the routine of our days, we can just kind of go into an autopilot where we're just going and going and going. And, and when we get into that pattern we tend to forget to recognize that God is God over all things in life. We forget who God is. And when we don't recognize God's operating rule in life, it creates this false idea in our minds that somehow we can exist without God. That somehow we have what it takes to get through this life on our own. We are in a series going through the book of James. And the series is called Becoming Whole. And James lays out, as you may remember in chapter 1, a definition of brokenness where he says that people who, and he's addressing Christians, he's talking to churches, he's talking to to people who are followers of Jesus, and these followers of Jesus have kind of drifted. And they put one foot in, in the world and one foot in the ways of God. And they lived their lives Separate. The word James used there is he said they were double-minded. When he said double-minded, he didn't mean like they can't make up their mind. What he meant was they're literally two-souled. They have a heart in the ways of the world. They have a heart in the ways of God. And that is his definition of brokenness. And he calls throughout the rest of the book a call to come back to wholeness. Mature, complete an undivided heart towards God. And the aspect of what he wants to pull out today for us to look at wholeness is how we view our life. One of the ways wholeness is fostered in our life is when we have what our brothers and sisters in church history called a God-entranced vision in all things. A God-entranced vision in all things. where We see God in all areas of our life. Where God's not just relegated to a worship service on Sunday, but God is seen and acknowledged and known throughout our whole life. Christians of earlier generations used a phrase in their speech that is quickly disappearing in our world today. And this, the phrase was, God-willing god willing or Lord willing. Or I was looking at some old letters in an, that were written long ago, and they ended the letter and they put DV, which means Deo Valente, which means God willing. They voiced that. It was a recognition that although I'm gonna make these plans, there is one who is greater, one whose control spans well beyond my human grasp, one whose hand is moving and sustaining all of creation, and that is the Lord our God. And in that phrase, God willing, they voiced the fact that reminded us that we are not the one who's ultimately in control of our lives. We are not in control of our lives as much as we think we are. Trusting and knowing God in that way leads to deeper levels of wholeness. It leads to spiritual maturity. And so if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it up to James chapter 4, where we're going to look at verses 13 to 17. If you're using a Bible in our worship center, you can. I'll be on page 979. If you're new to the Bible, just turn to the right, go past Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go past 1st, 2nd Corinthians You get to James, if you get 1st or 2nd Peter or 1st or 2nd John, you went too far, just back up. James 4, we're going to look at 13 to 17. And as we have seen, James writing these letters to these wayward churches, he's addressing character and humility in the Christian life so that it leads to wholeness. So that they stop living two-souled, S-O-U-L-E-D, lives, And they live lives wholly undivided under God. And today I want to focus on two reminders that lead to wholeness. But before I get into that, I want to say that this brokenness, the sin that James is addressing in these verses today is the sin of presumption. The best way to describe presumption is an arrogant self-dependence. Or an arrogant self-reliance. Where we go through life, we get into the nitty-gritty and we forget to recognize that God is even there. That he even exists because we get so consumed by what's in front of us in the here and now. Presumption is the opposite of what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. This awe, this reverence, this respect we have towards God. And the Bible calls us to live in the fear of the Lord. When we live in the fear of the Lord, we acknowledge God in all things. We're aware of his rule and his reign in our life. But when we drift from that, when we get consumed by the here and now, we slip into this sin called presumption that leads to brokenness. And James wants to give us two reminders today that protect us from that sin and help us foster wholeness in our life. The first reminder is, as you plan tomorrow, remember what you are. As you plan tomorrow, remember what you are. James is having us pull out our phones at this point, look at our calendars, look at our daily, weekly, monthly calendars, and say, take a look at this. And he addresses this by looking at Look at what he says in verse 13 of chapter 4. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city and spend a year and carry on business and make money. He's talking about the regular goings of life. You may not be going city to city doing business, but he's talking about how you carry on in your world outside of this place, how you carry on at home and work in your neighborhood and in the activities you're involved with. He's focusing on the ordinary rhythms of our life. And he's saying that we can get so caught up in the day-to-day ordinary rhythms that we forget that God is even there. And that will lead to brokenness. Where are we going to go today? What are we going to do? What are we going to get accomplished? There's something good about those things, but there's also something that can be deceiving about those things. When we get so wrapped up into them, we forget that God is even there. James wants us to take a good look at our daily, weekly, monthly planners. And as we're looking at them, all of a sudden he shatters something in our thinking. He comes up with something that we tend to all forget in verse 14. Look at verse 14. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You are a mist. You're here for a little while and then you vanish. We get so wrapped up in our lives and so consumed with everything. And James wants us to know that our life here on earth is not the be-all, get-all. Our life here on earth is not the ultimate. There's something greater to come. And he reminds us by saying, don't forget what you are. You are a mist. Do you know what a mist is? This is our life on earth right here. Gone. That's our lives on earth. A mist that appears and then it vanishes. He's saying, don't get so caught up in this life that you forget what's to come that you forget what you're really made for that you forget as a Christian or non-Christian eternity comes at the end of this life and what you do with Jesus is what determines the outcome of your location at the end of this life this isn't heaven on earth heaven is to come You're only renting your space here on earth. You're not meant to plant roots and have this be your home. As Christians, our home is somewhere else. We are only passing through a very brief moment of time. But there's so much that wars against us. And lies to us and says, this life before us is the be-all, end-all. We have to get our bucket list and we have to do all this stuff. We have to make sure we get everything done because this is it. And James is saying, this is not it. Don't get fooled in thinking this is it. As we sit here this morning the question that James gives to us is, did you forget that you're just a mist? Did you forget who you are? Do we forget that we occupy our place in this world for just a little while? 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, Lord willing, but nothing is guaranteed. What is guaranteed at some point, this brief life will end. And at that point, eternal life will begin. But we forget about this because of this thing called presumption. This self-reliance that seeps into our hearts and we start to believe that maybe we're greater than we really are. James wants to remind us that we are here one minute and then we will go into eternity the next minute. And when we leave this earth Life on earth, if God doesn't come back, will continue on without us as we step into eternity. Are you ready for that moment? Have you surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you turned from your sin into God and turned to God? Have you trusted in who Jesus is and what he did for you on the cross? And are you following him as the Lord of your life? There's a photo I ran across in my study this week, and it has these skyscrapers on a city landscape that are sticking up through the clouds. They're so tall that the clouds came in, and the skyscrapers are actually taller than the clouds. And when I looked at this, I started thinking about this because I was immersing myself in this text and studying it. And we kind of act like we're the buildings. We're these things that are accomplished, these things that have been put to, marvelously put together and we we stand and we conquered we we're, we're going to be here forever but the truth is we're the mist we're here in a moment and then gone we get this backwards we're not the skyscrapers this kind of thinking seeps in everywhere. Poet William Ernest Henley said this. He said, I am the master of my fate and I am the captain of my soul. And there's something in the American broken humanist that says, yes, I get to determine the course of my life. I get to determine what happens. And God looks at that statement of brokenness and says, actually... You are a mist that appears a little while and then vanishes. In this life, that is the reality. And so we can embrace the brokenness of this world that says this is the be-all, end-all, and that we just get caught up and do our own thing, or we can embrace wholeness, where we say this is a mist here. I'm not going to be here forever. I'm going to be with Jesus for the majority of my life. Because eternity is a whole lot longer than my brief misty moment here on earth. Think about how temporary even the memories of this life are. I know there's a few people who are renowned, who've done amazing things, who are in history that will always recall and remember. But even memories of things in this life are very temporary. For example, think about your great great-grandmother do you know her name do you know where she lived do you know what she loved in life do you know what she hated few of us could say why is that because our lives here on earth are missed And she occupied her precious life here on earth and then went into eternity. And life moved on. For some of us in this room, this is harder to grasp because some of us here are young. Notice I said us are young. Some of us are young. There was a young boy in our congregation who I found out calls me the man with the white hair. (laughs) Yeah, some of us are young. (laughs) The young have dreams and plans and they almost feel immortal, ready to take on life. Then there's other of us who are here this morning saying, you know, I don't know what happened. I just blinked and now I'm in an older person's body. The idea of being a vapor is easier for some than it is for others of us But the truth is our lives here on earth are just a mist. You're probably saying enough already. This is depressing. But what we need to realize is this. Listen, 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 listen. James is not telling us this to depress us. James is telling us this to humble us. He's telling us this, that we would grasp onto humility and walk in the ways of wholeness with our God and be prepared for what comes next in life. He's trying to do what he wrote in verse 10 of chapter 4, where he says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Realize how brief this life on earth is. And realizing how brief this life on earth is, is one of the best tools God has in his tool belt to foster in our lives humility and wholeness. Do you believe there are worse things in life than death? Worse than dying is living in this world and not realize one day you're going to die. The Christian is called to humbly realize our time on earth will soon be done. And for the Christian, death is really the beginning of life. So we live this life and we acknowledge God and we follow him. And we acknowledge him in all our ways. I heard a great story about Kirk Cousins this week. You guys like Kirk Cousins, right? Isn't he? He's on the Minnesota Vikings. That's your team, isn't it? The Minnesota Vikings? Oh, that's not your team. Kirk Cousins has an amazing sculpture outside of his house that he established a while ago. And he set up this sculpture and he kind of projected in his mind, maybe I'll live to 90. He doesn't know when he'll die but he said maybe I'll live 90 years and so he said out of that 90 years that's 720 months so he has this sculpture outside of his front door of his house and he put in 720 pebbles and each day the first of the month he grabs a pebble out of the sculpture and puts it in his pocket and he carries it around with him every day and at the end of the month he throws the pebble away and he grabs another pebble and puts it in his pocket and carries it around. He said he got this idea because he was in church and the pastor talked about Psalm chapter 90 verse 12 where it said teach us to number our days that we will have a heart of wisdom. He does that to remind himself that his life is a mist. He does that to remind himself that the best thing he can do is to behold God, fear God, live in communion with God, and then live out what God wants him to accomplish for his glory. The best thing we can do with this vapor is live to the glory of God. And we live to the glory of God by being in communion with God and then carrying out his mission wherever he's placed us. That's why at Crossview Church, we make a big deal about what we call making a ripple. If you've been around here at any time, you've heard us talk about this. Because our vision is to glorify God by seeing 5,000 people impacted by the ripple effect of us living out the gospel in our city and beyond. And so we talk about making a ripple. Ripple when you live connected to God, abiding in God like we sang about, depending on God, and then you live in that mindset where he's planted you, in your workplace, your neighborhood, your family, you start making ripples for his glory. That's how we live in the mist. That's how we live in the vapor. You see, we think wholeness comes when we finally master this life. But that's a lie. Wholeness comes when we take this life and we place it in the hands of Jesus and then we live with a vision for eternity for him. We think about what would last for eternity that I could do today. That's living in wholeness. That's how we become whole. James gives us a second reminder. Not, not only does he say, as you plan tomorrow, remember what you are, but he says, as you plan tomorrow, remember who you belong to. Remember who you belong to. Look at verses 15 to 17. Instead of forgetting you're a mist, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. These verses are saying God is not opposed to planning. In fact, Proverbs and other places encourage us to do that. Many of you have heard the phrase, if you fail to plan, then you plan to fail, and there's some truth to that. But what God is against is that when we look at the total record of our calendars, the total record of our schedules, and it looks no different than the total record of an atheist schedule or an atheist calendar, that's an issue. James is trying to get us to stop and repent about wandering into the ways of the world and making this world be the be-all, get-all. And living in a way where God is just about Sunday morning, but God really has nothing to do with my Monday to Saturday. We compartmentalize him. That leads to brokenness. When we bring him and let him sit on the throne of our heart, which is what James is trying to do, that leads to wholeness. Notice what James is writing here. Who is it that we tend to forget? You should say, if it is the Lord's will. He knows that we get caught up in our lives and we could even forget God himself exists because we're caught up in the here and now. James is aiming to take us off of the thrones where we decide, we direct, we rule everything that's going on in our hearts and our lives. And he wants us to bring, he wants to invite us to this humble place. He wants us to to invite us to this humble place of dependence on God, of trust in God in all things. He wants to bring us to this humble place where we have a God entranced vision, where we see God in all areas of life where God is rightly placed on the throne of our hearts because as followers of Jesus, we belong to God. He is our king. We follow him. He doesn't follow us. It's not like we say, God, here's my thing. Bless this, bless this, bless this, bless this. Come with me. I'm going to do this, this, this. No, that's not how this thing works. We follow him. The posture of heart in a Christian is to be Listening, and waiting, and submitting, and yielding, and following. That's how we are formed by the Spirit of God into the character of Jesus. And our role in this vapor, our role in this misty life is to be formed into the image of Jesus. That's the goal. Not to do all the things we want to get done not to accomplish our bucket list, but to be formed into the image of Jesus Christ. And we also want to be careful here. Because the answer to this is not just to say, okay, from now on, I'm just going to say God willing and everything. I'll do that God willing, I'll do that God willing, I'll do that God willing. That's just whitewash on something that's broken. James always gets to the heart. It's not about just saying God willing. willing. It's knowing in your heart who God is and what he's really like. And James is hoping to create in us a realization that if it wasn't for the mercy of God, we would be completely undone. The mercy of God is such a wonderful thing. We live the way we're supposed to live in this life when we truly love and understand the mercy of God. The fact that we are all here right now This morning, right in this place, is the mercy of God. It's by his mercy. God often defines himself as a merciful God. Look at Deuteronomy 4.31. He says this, For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not abandon or destroy you. Isn't that amazing? Or forget the covenant with your ancestors, which he confirmed to them by oath. His mercy, who he is, causes him to take action. And the action he took was to save you, to rescue you, to be in relationship with you from now and into eternity. That's his goal. The goal of the cross is that you would be with God forever and ever and ever. God loves to extend mercy to us and rescue us. You know, it's the most incredible feeling in the world feel rescued on january 15 2009 it's hard to believe it's 15 years ago captain sully sullenberg landed the u.s airways aircraft into the hudson river do you remember that they made a movie about it called sully he landed u.s airways flight 1549 in the hudson river after a bird strike took out both engines And I don't know if you saw the movie, but I remember going to the theater and watching this. And what was crazy is we all know how it ends. We all know the story. But people were riveted. You know why? Because there's something about watching a person who thinks that it's all over and then they are rescued, they are saved. As Christians, I think we walk through this life in our routine and we forget that we've been rescued. We forget that we've been saved. Living life with Jesus means living a life that was rescued. We are like the passengers on that plane. Can you imagine what it was like being on that plane and you're seeing this plane descend towards the river and it's January? They're probably thinking this is the end. This is all over at this point. They presume that they're, what awaits them is an icy grave. This is where it all ends. And then all of a sudden they feel, right before they think it's all done, this impact in the river. And then they slowly realize they're going to make it. You know why? Because someone saved them. Somebody saved them. Someone saved us as Christians. I'm a sinner by choice in nature. I was headed for hell, separated from God forever in eternal conscious punishment, the most awful place a human being can be. But then by the mercy of God, he saved me. He saved me through his son, Jesus Christ. And that is my comfort in this misty place. That is my comfort in this life. My comfort in this life is not in all the things I can accomplish. It's not in all the people I know. It's not in who I can become. My comfort is that I belong to Jesus. To put your comfort in your ability to execute plans and do ministry and accomplish great things in life is a fake illusion. My comfort in life And my comfort in death is that I belong to Jesus. My Savior, who laid down his life so that I may live forever. And whatever tomorrow holds, whatever he wills, I can trust in him because of his goodness and who he is. And I know that ultimately it will be for my good and his glory. See, James wants us to remember that. He wants us to remember that we're people who are saved What are the uncertainties in your life this morning? What are the uncertainties you're dealing with? Maybe it's a health crisis. Maybe you're grieving the loss of a loved one. Maybe it has to do with your job. Maybe it has to do with a relationship. Maybe it's anxiety and depression. You see, when we live in the midst for this life alone and this life becomes the be-all, get-all, we get so weighed down. When all we see are the circumstances of this life, it saps our hearts from real joy and real peace as we take our comfort from knowing that we are people who belong to Jesus. But when we realize there's one greater than this life, greater than the here and now, who loves us and treasures us and holds our very souls in his hand, that changes everything. In that place, we realize that all of life is a gift we don't deserve. And we experience the wonder of his mercy, the wonder of his patience, the wonder of his kindness. That's a place to be. Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Have you surrendered your life to him? If you haven't, here's what you do to accept this invitation. Three words, you turn, you trust, and you follow. You turn from your sin and turn to God. It's called repentance. And then you trust that Jesus Christ is who he said he is and he died on the cross and you trust that the work he did on the cross is sufficient enough to get you to heaven. And it's not just a belief in your mind, it's a belief with your whole heart. And then you follow him. You say, I'm stepping off the throne of my heart, and Jesus, you're going to sit there, and now it's about what you want to accomplish through me. That's how I'm going to live in the mist. That's the only way to face this life when the rough times come. John Stott defines Christian discipleship this way. He said, nothing is more important for mature mature Christian discipleship than a fresh, clear, true vision of Jesus. See, what happens to us as Christians, we get into the here and now and the routines of our life and we get immersed in our calendars and our schedules and our accomplishments and our tasks and all we have to do and we lose our vision of Jesus. Jesus. James is calling us back this morning. More importantly, God is calling us back this morning. He's inviting us to come back to receive a fresh, clear, true vision of who he is as Lord of our lives. John Stott also says this, when we grab that vision, thankfulness comes Thankfulness always characterized the people of God as they say to themselves, Psalm 103, praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. The psalmist is talking to his soul. Praise the Lord, soul. Soul, wake up. Realize who God is. See who God is in this life and see the benefits you have, his mercy, his kindness, his love, and his grace. And when we do that, thankfulness flows. Gratitude comes because we're people who've been rescued. I want to give us some time to reflect on that. I just want to have us take some silence. Think about what the Holy Spirit is leading us and inviting us to here. Because the more we release our lives in this world into God's hands, The more we realize his mercy, the more we live in his peace, the more we live in his kindness and thankfulness flows out of our heart because we know God deeper and we understand more clearly what he's done for us. So let's take some silence and then I'll pray. Father, it's good to meet you in the silent places. And Father, we don't want to be like the people James described who are broken, who are just consumed with going to this place and doing that thing and doing this today and doing that tomorrow. We want to look at our lives through your lens. We want to have a God-entranced vision in all things. We want to realize that this is not our home and by your grace and your power of your spirit if we've attached our souls to anything falsely in this life will you unattach it and bring wholeness by attaching our hearts and our souls to you. Lord if you would be so gracious there's times that we've forgotten who we are. There's times where we've felt and made this world our God. Will you forgive us for that? Draw us into your loving kindness and give us a true vision of what life is with you and who you really are. And so we lay our hearts before you and ask you to continue to do your work among us. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.